0: Let us pray. Our Almighty and most gracious Father, we have heard of the great and powerful works of Jesus. We have been in awe of the amazing miracles that He performed. But, O Lord, draw near to us and impress on us the greatest of all of His works, that we would fully know the work of His reconciliation towards us of how he has reconciled you to us and calls us to be reconciled now toward you father draw out of us faith and repentance that we would evermore be changed and evermore be drawn to you father through jesus christ our lord amen Amen. The great exchange. That's what Martin Luther called verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5. The great exchange. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. I think Martin Luther was definitely on to something, that there is a great exchange in our salvation. That our sin is taken from us And Jesus' righteousness is then given to us. That it occurs in the blink of an eye. It occurs so quickly that it's easy for us to forget about that and what results from that and what we are now called to do. But it is a great exchange and a beautiful one. And this whole passage from verse 14 through 21, going even, I would say, even back to verse 11, all the way up through 21, is all about this exchange. It's all about the work of Jesus and what He has done and our response to that and how it changes us. That Jesus takes something from us and we receive something in its place. Jesus takes what is ours and then He gives us what is His. Throughout these verses, it is constantly there that we hear about Christ's death and resurrection. Now we hear about the result of that death and resurrection. The things that it brings to us. We hear of our response indirectly in everything that Paul is saying. But then Paul quickly talks about our responsibility now. What has been laid on us in light of receiving all of these benefits from Jesus. As we receive the results of Christ's death and resurrection, we are called into a grand and glorious responsibility. We are called... To respond and to act in a new kind of way because Jesus has worked something new into us. And what I loved about this passage as I've been studying it was trying to figure out how to organize it. I kept coming up with this this three words result, response, responsibility. But really, it doesn't break down quite that neatly, not as a whole. What I love about that is that Paul moves back and forth throughout this passage. On one hand, he talks about what Jesus has done. Then in the same breath, he goes back to talk about what that means that we do. How we respond and how we now have a responsibility. And he goes back and forth, back and forth throughout this passage, hammering home the results of Christ's death and resurrection. And calling us and the Corinthians and himself into a new way of living, a new kind of responsibility that is not to Himself, but to Christ and to Christ's people. That Christ has worked salvation and now He has brought it to bear upon us. And this sounds crazy. How is it that Christ could do that? How is it that Christ could take away from us that which is so great and sinful and then give us something like His righteousness. How can that exchange happen? It's a question, I think, similar to what God puts before Job. You think you know so much, Job? Why don't you tell me about creation? Why don't you tell me where you were when all of these things were occurring, Job? And in that speech from God from chapters 38 through 42 of that book, at the end of it, Job is left speechless. And all that he can say is, I repent and ash and sackcloth. I have spoken of things I did not understand, and I feel like that's what's happening here in this passage. That for Paul, in the context there, the Corinthians were wavering between him and what some call the super apostles, ones who put themselves forward with great and glorious works, with great rhetoric, with good looks, and great promises to the people. Paul is contending against them in this letter calling the Corinthians back to himself but not so much back to himself but back to Jesus to quit looking at all the great and glorious things that they might be able to do or that they might be able to receive that are earthly, that are fleshly because that's what these super apostles were apparently promising. Great things in this world. But Paul is pointing them constantly back toward Jesus. And in verse 11 through 13 Paul reminds them of his apostleship. He reminds them of what he is doing, of what he is trying to do. That he is there to persuade people of Christ's death and resurrection. And that what he is, is known to God. And I hope, he says, is known also to your conscience. That he has ministered with the Corinthians. And he hopes that they understand it. But he is so driven by Christ and his desire to persuade others. That sometimes, he says in verse 13, if we are beside, our, beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Paul is saying that sometimes he comes across as just a crazy lunatic. He comes across as if he's out of his mind because he wants people to understand and to know who Jesus is. And people complain about that. They say, look at this crazy man talking about this strange messiah. But then on the other hand, he says, if we are in our right mind, it is for you. He was accused on the other side of being coldly logical and indifferent to people. He was accused of being so rational and so rhetorical that people refused to believe him. They refused to receive him. But he reminds the Corinthians, on one hand, he does this for God and on the other, he does it for them because he wants them to know Jesus And that leads us to our first verse for this day, that little bit of introduction there. For the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ controls us. And what is this love of Christ that we hear about here? Greek is funny because sometimes you can translate things differently depending on the context. And in this, there are some who would like to translate it as our love for Christ controls us. I haven't seen how that works in the rest of this passage. Because Paul isn't talking about his love for Jesus anywhere. He is constantly talking about the love of Jesus for him. And that it is the love of Christ for us that controls us. It is Christ's love poured out upon us that draws us, that drives us forward. As Paul then will go on to say, that that love controls us. It leads and guides. It reshapes and pushes us forward. It holds us all together and keeps us moving forward. It keeps pushing us forward. That's what Paul means when he says that the love of Christ, this love from Christ, controls us. That it is the guiding principle in our lives. It is pushing us forward constantly, closer and closer to Jesus, and pushing us out more and more into the world to make Jesus known. It is the guardrails that drives us forward in this life. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing that Christ's love controls us, that it drives us. And it's a good thing that it is not my love for Christ that controls me. For if it was my love, I know what my love is like. My love is fickle. It is indifferent. It is indifferent. It waxes and it wanes. And if I depended on my love for Christ to drive me, well, I wouldn't be driving anywhere very quickly. I would be stuck in a rut. I wouldn't get anywhere. But however, it is Christ's love for us that drives us, that controls us, that makes us move forward. It pushes us to love Christ. Yes, it draws out of us a love for Christ. But it is the love from Christ that pushes us to act as Christ acted toward this world. It controls all of our actions toward all of those around us. And as I said, it's appropriate that it is the love of Christ that controls us because if Christ's love doesn't control us, then it will be our sin that controls us. Our selfishness, our self-centeredness, our own self-righteousness. That will become the guiding principle of our life without the love from Christ controlling us we'll be led by sin we'll be led away from christ and that's not what saint paul wants for himself or the corinthians he wants them to know that it is christ's love that controls them it is not their love for christ or even their love for themselves that controls them it is the love from christ that should be in charge that should be guiding me and it is without it I will become what I once was, a self-absorbed, self-centered sinner who is only concerned with what others can do for me and fulfilling whatever desires come into my range of sight. That is what it is to be outside of the love that comes from Christ and its controlling action in our lives. Without the love of Christ for the sinner, we are trapped in the condition of sin and being controlled by that sin. We become... And remain enslaved to that sin. And so the love of Christ controls St. Paul. It drives him to make Jesus known. And if you don't like that idea of being controlled by love, then learn to live without love. Because all love puts constraints on our behavior. All love puts constraints and controls on our actions. Even human love does that. If if we're willing to accept human love putting a constraint on our behavior then why is it that we scoff and chafe so badly at God's love at the love of Christ Himself putting constraints on us and guiding us and controlling us? We should quickly just fall down and receive that love that controls us and let it move us forward. And why has Paul concluded this? Well, because Christ has died for all, therefore all have mysteriously died. All have died in the death of Christ. And He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. Here, as I said, is that result of Christ's work leading to a responsibility for His people. Moving right back into the result of Christ's work and what He has done. Christ has died that those who live might no longer live for themselves. The work of Christ is that He died and all died, and that's the result. We all died in Christ mysteriously, that we might then be raised to new life and no longer live for ourselves. That is what Paul wants for himself and for the Corinthians, that as Christ's love controls him, how can he live for himself? And that love that comes from Christ towards us is demonstrated in His death and His resurrection again. A beautiful theme that Paul constantly hammers home to his hearers. His love is revealed in his death for us. And through his resurrection we are called into new life. Christ shares his very life with us. As he partakes of our very death, the death that is supposed to be ours, Christ gives to us his life. There is the great exchange again. He takes death unto Himself that we might have His life. He receives new life and pours more and more life into us over and over and over again. Raising us constantly back into that new place that He has called us to be. And now we can no longer regard anyone according to the flesh, according to the ways of this world, Paul says. Even if he did once regard Christ according to the flesh, he can't do it any longer because He has been Laid hold of by the love of Christ, by this love that is poured out on him, that comes to him, that changes him. And what is yet again another result of Christ's death and resurrection? That if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. If we are in Christ, we become a new creation. We have the Spirit poured into us. We have the Spirit changing us, renewing our hearts and our minds, renewing our behavior, renewing every aspect of who we are. Christ has died and been raised and brought about the work of new creation in us. Everything is changed and we have been made new. Paul puts it, Slightly differently in Galatians, a familiar verse to all of us, I'm sure. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, and I am, and I say that is physically is what Paul means. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are crucified with Christ, and it is not us who live anymore, but Christ who lives in us. That is what makes us a new creation. That's what makes us new. That's what drives the old away and brings about the new. He changes us. He gives us Himself. He takes the old from us and gives us the new. Again, the great exchange coming out right there. Christ taking something from us and giving us something we didn't have. He takes our old man and puts him to death on the cross. To give us the new man which is himself in us and raises us in beautiful and glorious life. That we might live before him joyfully in all that he has done. And he continually calls us into this new creation. He calls us back to himself over and over and over again. Because he is taking everything of the old away from us. And when we wander and stray into that oldness, he draws us back to himself. And it reminds us that we are a new creation, that we are called into that new kind of being, that new kind of life. And all of it is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Christ reconciled us to Himself. God reconciled us to Himself through Christ His Son. To be reconciled is to be brought back into right relation. To have that which blocked the way, that which was keeping us from Him, or keeping God from us, removed. And what was that thing that stood between God and us? It was our sin. It was our waywardness. Sin itself that taints all of the cosmos stood between us and the love of God. And the mercy and the goodness and the joy of our Creator. But God the Father through Christ reconciled us to Himself by taking that which stood between us and Himself. God took the sin that stood between Him and us and placed it on Christ to dispose of it, to get rid of it, to remove it from His sight so that we could then receive forgiveness, that we could receive the fullness of salvation, that we could receive righteousness itself. And Paul says that through that reconciliation, he and his co-workers have been given a ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. And here Paul defines that reconciliation, not counting their trespasses against them, not counting their waywardness, not counting their sinfulness, not counting all the times that they fall off the correct path and into the jungle and the woods all around them. He doesn't count those trespasses against them anymore in Christ. And because that is no longer being counted, Paul cries out, be reconciled to God, return To a correct relation toward God. Return to this Father who has taken away everything that stood in the way. Be reconciled to God because He has reconciled Himself to you. There is nothing standing in your way. There is nothing that should keep you from Him. So turn and be reconciled. Turn and rejoice in the salvation that has been given to us. And now Paul wraps up this chapter with that beautiful concluding verse that is the epitome of the great exchange for our sake. God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. Again, taking that which is ours and putting it on Jesus and taking that which is truly Jesus's and giving it to us. That is the great exchange that is throughout this passage. We... Are nothing but sinners. We do nothing but sin in and of ourselves, but all of that was placed on Jesus. Jesus, who was not a sinner, who knew no sin in himself, is made the sin bearer for our sake. He carries our sins upon the cross and endures God's righteous response to that sin for our sake. He endures judgment for our sake. He does all of that so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. We might have the righteousness of God worked into us that we would walk in faith, that we would walk according to the law of God in you. That we would walk in light of what God has done for us in Jesus. That all of our sin is dealt with and thrown to the cross. All of it is removed. All of it is given to Jesus so that all of Jesus' righteousness would be given to us. That we would receive righteousness from God and not just any kind of righteousness, but the very holiness and righteousness of God Himself would be placed on us and in us through the Holy Spirit renewing and working in us, making us that new creation and calling us, as He called Paul, to cry out, be reconciled to God for God has reconciled the world to Himself. God has taken that which stands between Himself and you and has put it on the cross of Christ. Forgiveness is there to be freely received now because of the work of Jesus for us. That is the message of reconciliation. That God took our sin and gave it to Christ. And then He takes Christ's righteousness and gives it to us. And we are changed. We are made new. We no longer live for ourselves. And the love from Christ controls and guides and lays hold of us in everything that we do. It's all been taken to the cross for our sake. And now we respond to all of that. We have a responsibility to make this known to others. Now, we don't all go out and act like Paul. We don't go out and travel all over the world telling people about Jesus. Some are called to do that. Others are called to live out their vocations In small ways, making Jesus known in each aspect of their lives, in each relationship that they are a part of, in each job that they have, we make Jesus known by our words and our actions. We make Jesus known through His love controlling us. That we don't view others according to the flesh, according to worldly ways, but we extend to them the forgiveness of Jesus. We extend to them and call them into that forgiveness, that they would know reconciliation with God. We raise our children. We make our friends. We work with our co-workers. And we live Christian lives in those areas. When we sin, we confess that sin before others. When we make mistakes, we own our mistakes. Because that is what we do as believers. We own what we do wrong, because that is what salvation is does to us we can't come into salvation saying that our sins aren't sins because then we have nothing to be forgiven of and so if we are Christians we own our sins we confess and repent and turn from them and that has to be shown in our daily lives too that comes out in our daily lives by our actions around the people that we know if we screw up we admit it we own it we don't try to cover it up There's no need to do that anymore. We can confess when we've been wrong before others. And we can bring forgiveness into that situation. We can seek reconciliation with everyone now because we have been reconciled to God and we have known that forgiveness and that joy. And it all rests on the love of Christ controlling us. It rests in that new creation being made in us, and it rests on Christ taking our sin and giving us His righteousness. It rests in the great exchange of what God has done in Christ for us. And we respond with joy. We respond with hope. We respond with faith and trust and rest in that work being applied to us through our baptisms. We rest in it being applied to us through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. We rest in and it being applied to us as we respond in faith and confess and repent every day. We respond to it and live in it every moment through faith, through confession, through drawing near to the Father in Jesus by the Spirit He has given to us. There is a great and glorious result that comes from this great exchange. And it is life and salvation, forgiveness, a new way of being, And it is our joy to live in that because we have been made into that kind of people. We have been made into the kind of people who follow Jesus, who receive His righteousness and release our sin to Him, who receive reconciliation and forgiveness that we would then live in that relation again. And we go out in our daily lives and our vocations and live according to that new way of being, not for ourselves, but for others, but for Jesus because He died and was raised and has made us new and taken from us our sin and given to us forgiveness, life and salvation and righteousness, all because of His great and glorious love that leads and guides us now. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. amen.